bring him to Moses. Bring him to the Ten Commands mm. before you bring him to the Savior. Yeah. Because if they think they don't need a Savior, you need to bring him to their to their to their stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, if uh, if uh, you just show up to the doctor's office and, and they say, "Hey, we're bringing you surgery," the first thing you say is, "No, bring him the X-rays, <laughs> bring him the MRI. Show them that they need this, and yeah. they will. They will if they are contrite and not arrogant. They'll say, "I yes, as soon as possible. Sign yeah. me up. Mm -hmm. I want it." And if you don't bring people to the law, show them they are sinners. They don't have to be as bad as Bobo. They don't have to be a felon on death row. Right. But they're sinners. And this is God's judgment. It's good. And it's right. And it's perfect. And it doesn't alter. And there's no favoritism. There's no ethnicity that's better. There's no background that's better. It doesn't matter who mom and pop are. It doesn't matter how much money you make or how good you are to homeless people. It doesn't matter. We are all sinners. And we're about to face the king who says, here is the only way that I will receive you. Because I'd be worried about yourself. Why you still be doubting you got a soul? Like you need to see to believe these things. But you believe things that you've never seen. The feelings and hopes and dreams, the future emotions and gravity, and sadly, everything you're rejecting makes this whole life a tragedy. And I got something to say, I got something to say, I got something to say to the world. And I got place to make, I got steps to take, I got cakes to bake, I got shoes to tie, I got mountains to climb, I got things that I really strive to do just before I die, huh? Tell the whole world all about Jesus Christ. So I'ma do all that I'm called to do. I'ma call on you so you could recall it to memory when you remember me speaking about the remedy of the living king. He's the one giving you everything, every good thing that you got, everything that you not. When you think that you hot, he's the one at the top that can make it all stop. He started it all from the very beginning, the very beginning. All right, who's ever gonna tune in? This is the Milk and Me podcast, and we're doing a live session. Hopefully, this doesn't go terribly wrong. And uh, we we're going to go, yeah. We don't have the comfort of uh, editing. No editing, <laughs> no pauses. If somebody sneezes and breaks something or something something interrupts, we just kind of got to work with it. Um, we're working through the Do Theology podcast. They have this incredible chart. I highly recommend uh, in, the, in the comments or in something, I'll throw, I'll throw their, their link up there. And they have this chart uh, speaking about doctrine so that we would rightly view doctrine so that we wouldn't have a misunderstanding of what's 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 worth arguing over versus what's what's okay if you have your denominational differences for uh, for instance and what's what's just a personal issue that you might have within the same denomination within the same church congregation and it's called Keeping Doctrine in Place. And they did a great job. And Aldo was able also to translate it to Spanish. And now they've posted it on their website as well. So there's a Spanish, a Romanian, and an English copy. And we want to touch on the first chart, uh, its primary doctrines. And we're not going to cover all of it because there's so much there. But one section we wanted to touch on, uh, here's, what, here's what primary doctrine says in their chart. Uh, it's truth that affects fellowship with others as far as Christians. It will significantly affect your your faith and your fellowship with other professing Christians to have differences on this. This will absolutely affect uh, how you commune with other people. The definition for primary doctrines, things that should be, you should be willing to argue the point on this one. Uh, it's that these issues define Christianity. So they're not just like, oh, that's your version. It's like, no, this is Christianity in general. This is the definition of Christianity. Um, not every doctrine here is an aspect of the gospel, but each one is clearly articulated in Scripture, transcending hermeneutics. So it's not just like, oh, you know, it could mean this, it could mean that. It's like it's, 
It's flat out. These are the truths that are taught throughout scripture. And it's not just like a, you understand this word that way. I understand it this way. It's like, it's not just one little verse that speaks about these doctrines. We're not going to cover it all because there's three sections in each chart, yeah. uh, each, each column. There's the gospel message, there's dogma, and there's practice. But we're going to touch on just a few points of the gospel message. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the sinfulness of man, the unique nature of Christ, the substitutionary atonement, bodily resurrection, and justification by faith alone. We're going to touch on, if we end up actually going in the direction we're planning, uh, the sinfulness of man and justification by faith. Yeah. So uh, where does that leave us? Well, the sinfulness of man yeah. is uh, something that is very important that needs to be addressed. Yeah. Um, again, and we've covered it in multiple other uh, episodes, uh, especially when it comes to the prosperity gospel. Uh, it's not something that is um, always covered in popular Christian messages, popular Christian media. It, it always talks about God's goodness and God's grace, but it never addresses the sinfulness of man. Why uh, man is sinful and, and just the, the plain fact that sin is what uh, has separated man from God. And uh, and I think we should definitely cover that here today because um, it, it's, it's important to talk about uh, the sinfulness of man. It's important to to be able to point it out, not so much as to say you're condemning them because we can't condemn anybody, mm-hmm. but, you know, tell somebody like this, you are living a sinful life. If you do not repent, there you will go to hell, you know? It's, it's, uh, it's what keeps people from trying to outweigh the bad with the good in their life, mm-hmm. becoming this religious strictly and merely religious observance of expectations, standards, uh, and maybe even morality. It's, it's what gets people jumping through these spiritual hoops when they think I'm, I'm good if I do more good and I'm bad if I do more bad. It's Mm -hmm. like, but the Bible says something very different. It says that we, we don't get a say in the matter, which, which hurts a lot of people because people love this whole, I have free will in such a way that I can will myself by my own power to be good. And that will be approved by God with two thumbs up. People don't want to hear the fact that, well, God views all mankind as sinful, not, not to the most horrible degree that we can in our individual lives. I mean, we're not all raping, murderous, horrible, lying, destroying people, but, we are all sinners and desiring our own ways instead of God's holy that is sin. and rever- yeah, and sin. Yeah. It's violation and a falling short of God's intended glory. Yeah, and also to connect to that point, um, there's also uh, the comparison of other people's sins. So, or yeah. rather, men or people in general, they want to say my sins are not as bad as the pedophile serving time in prison. Therefore, he is a lot worse off than I am. Yeah, You know, uh, I think we could agree that there are different consequences to sins that, that you could face, you know, here on earth. But if we're going to ultimately to the eternal things, all sin is sin. You know, if you are guilty of one part of the law, you are guilty of the whole thing. Um, I, I forget where, where that is found in scripture. James uh, chapter 2. James chapter 2. 
so it, it's this comparison where I'm not as bad as the next guy, or uh, I hear you say this a lot too. It's like I'm I'm not as as bad as as Hitler, you know, because he was one of the worst of the worst, you know. So I think I'm good because I'm not doing what Hitler did. Yeah, you know good you're not doing what hitler did but that doesn't mean you are good you know? well because we have to view good in god's eyes or exactly. else we're really just making up a humanistic mm -hmm. morality where you know be good for your own uh conscience and yeah. be as good as other people would expect you to be mm -hmm. don't don't do what they would not want you to do right uh even if what they're okay with is atrocious right you know, don't don't tell people their sin stinks because that's rude. If it's not hurting you, it's like, well, you might as well take all child pornography off the table as evil. Yeah. If watching it doesn't actually hurt someone, right. which it would not actually hurt someone necessarily. Right. Um, it does, you know, watching any kind of pornography, watching any of those things, a lot of those people have been found out to have been, um, like statistically and historically, many videos show up with people that have been called missing or abandoned or abducted the lots of those videos are actually victims of uh, child sex trafficking of mm. human trafficking they end up on on sex sites mm. and so when we see that you know these people kidnap these people they 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 traffic them then they make videos and put them on some of the most popular pornographic websites and right. millions of people or hundreds of thousands watch them they don't realize that they're contributing in some way to the views which do give some sort of monetary benefit to the people that post these videos who have just uh stolen this person right and have committed horrible atrocious acts to them so it hurts them in that way it might not physically hurt someone to watch something but how how messed up do we have to be to actually say child pornography is acceptable because it doesn't hurt the child right to watch it Mm -hmm. I mean, you'd have to be able to do that if you really say, if it doesn't hurt someone, it's not wrong. You right. would have to be able to come to that conclusion. And mm -hmm. I love using the most maximum examples because you'd have to bring it to that. Yeah, because if you follow that logic, it will end it, up there. It will end up yeah, there, absolutely. exactly. That is, that is why uh, we have to place our morals based on scripture, based on what God's standard is. Because if we base it off of man... Ain't nobody as bad as the worst person on this planet. Yeah, you could always find somebody worse. Yeah. Uh, and people's morality, they'll, they'll, uh, they'll use the worst examples, like, you know, killing, murder, rape, which right. are all horrible, pe horrible things. Um, but here's, here's something that God says. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 22 says, Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have to understand that people say often, you know, homosexuality is an abomination, and it is. Mm-hmm. But so is sinfulness in general. Yeah. Homosexuality is not that one sin that you call out of the entire group. Mm -hmm. It's sometimes the most out, uh, outlived one, sometimes uh, more, more easily to identify because people kind of flaunt it at times, their mm -hmm. sensuality, their own preferences. People do that with all sorts of their living, not just homosexuality. Right. They do it with their, uh, with their drinking, with their fornication. They do that with all sorts of things. Like they, they boast of their sin yeah. and they say, everyone does it. It's legal. It's okay. I can do what I want. Uh, people just call out the easy ones. It's very easy to say homosexuality is sin. Right. But what about lying and exaggerating? Mm -hmm. That's an abomination in God's eyes too. People yeah. say homosexuality is an abomination. Well, here it is. Proverbs 12, 22. Lying lips are an abomination. People that lie yeah, that covers are abominable. Yeah, that that's everything. Yeah, that covers that's, little that's, little white lights. That's that's kid Santa. Yeah, we don't view it like that because we don't think we're doing harm. It's like it's lying. You're speaking a lie 
about life. You're teaching your children that if they're good, they always will get these benefits. And it's like these kids learn to like manipulate their living because they always want these benefits. And it's yeah. good to realize, you know, you get good usually sometimes for going on good paths, but teaching our children that this is what it is and this is who it's attributed to. It's like you start attributing your gifts to a man that jumps down your chimney and breaks into your house and enters yeah. it and just surprises your kids. It's mm -hmm. like, we should not be teaching our kids that it's okay <laughs> for someone to break into your house, right. <laughs> yeah. generally speaking, but yeah. uh, that's, that's I, besides the point. I think that just goes to show how easily man sins or just how simple we are because it, without even trying it seems because we're like oh it's not so bad to tell kids about santa yeah. even though they're you know you just read uh, it's lying yeah you know and it happens so easily it happens so easily we don't even have to try and then we have to tell them the truth uh-huh because we lied yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> and so, that's a hard conversation for some people it's mm -hmm. like wow you've made it difficult to be an honest trustworthy person mm -hmm. to some extent by practicing lying yeah I mean, later on in life, you start lying to other people, you're going to be considered an untrustworthy you know, person. Person. Like, you yeah. won't be able to be fully trustworthy. That's not good. Mm -hmm. And to get into that habit with your children at a young age, yeah. I never told my kids I was Santa. I yeah. tell them that Santa is the figure that people use for Christmas. Yeah. But I'm telling you, kids, if you act a fool, I'm not getting you nothing. <laughs> and I also tell them, hey, I love you, but I'm not always going to give you gifts on Christmas. Yeah. And I want them to understand because it's Christmas, I get gifts. And it's like, actually, um, I'd want to be able to teach my kids to be generous and not yeah. to be selfish on days. Exactly. To know that gifts can be possible. But I want to kind of work them into learning to actually want to give. And I can't force that, but I can, I can lead in that way and I can strive mm -hmm. for that. That's what I want for them. I want them to be able to actually say, Christmas, who, who are we going to bless? That would yeah. be a wonderful thing. Yeah, for so kids. much better. So Absolutely. much better than, than the whole me, 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 I deserve Christmas. Gifts. I got these things I yeah. don't play with. Who can mm -hmm. I give them to? How can we clean it up, wrap it up, and give it to someone? Yeah, like yeah. That's, that's, like that's that. a whole different approach like versus that. I want. Yeah. It's like, oh, that self-entitlement is going to yeah. mess these kids up later on. And I mean, and that's what you see nowadays. Yeah. You know what I mean? You see that a lot, uh, especially during Christmas time. My niece will ask for all these gifts, you know what I yeah. mean? And it's like, man, she, she has a list. No, yeah, she has no concept, you know. Uh, but yeah, let's, let's be honest with your kids about Christmas. I'll give you a, a quick example. Like in yeah. my life growing up, my mom was completely honest about Santa. She's Good. like, Santa's not real. I get you those gifts. <laughs> and you give credit to some weirdo. Yeah, no, well, she she did say, she's like, God provides for me so that I can give you guys well, gifts. It is the Lord yeah. that gives the ability to create wealth. So. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I was that kid telling other kids that Santa was unreal. My mom is Santa. I <laughs> <laughs> don't mess them up. Yeah. They'll be so nice to you. They'll be like, man, these kids are so nice to me. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's because they, they want mom to give them presents. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but yeah. It, it creates a whole me, 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 you know, I deserve gifts because I'm doing good. You know what I mean? We are sinners to the core. Yeah. But there is this wonderful restraint where God keeps us from performing some of the most wicked of our desires. Yeah. And I think anybody, if they're really honest with themselves, which some people try to be and they can be. Uh, really honest with themselves, they'll be able to say, I don't sometimes have the ability to do um, what I really would like to do. Whether it's 
I'd really like to knock that person out, but oh, I don't want to get arrested. Yeah. It's like sometimes the only thing that holds us back is the law. And we don't view that. We don't, we don't consider it and break that down. Like, why do I not do, or, or something? Okay. I'll say it in two ways. One, I don't do that bad stuff. Right. But if they take a look at the hearts, they could say, why didn't I knock him out? I mean, I wanted to knock him out. Yeah. I don't want to get a felony. I like my family. The only thing that kept you from doing what you actually wanted to do, an evil, evil deed, right. is you didn't want consequences. So mm -hmm. it's not that you aren't evil. <laughs> it's that there is some yeah. restraint to That's some true. extent. And little by little, that restraint is getting lifted and lifted and lifted. Why? Because movies, music, politicians, views, and I believe in general, the devil is bringing about this deception that God promised. You know, God's just allowing people to walk into this delusion, mm -hmm. believing that, you Giving know, everything is okay. Let mm -hmm. it all just hang out. Um, so we, we could we could view it as we are sinful to the core. There isn't a part of us that isn't sinful. It's not like ages one to two, there's no sin. Mm -hmm. You just don't see it because it gets more mature later on. Like we right. see those sinful, disobedient tendencies, and they don't always have to be violent and, and hateful, but they're self-seeking in general. Yeah. And you, you accept it, and it's, it's fine for a little kid. But once that kid turns two, you start giving him whoopings, the yeah. consequences. Once that kid turns three or four, he starts losing stuff, losing benefits, privileges, freedoms as a punishment. It's like we start punishing. Yeah. But it's like that kid did not suddenly become a sinner because mm -hmm. he hung out with the kid across the street. Like his own sinful desires were aroused by somebody else doing stuff, watching videos, saying words that you wouldn't want your kid to say. If those words... I mean, come on, we got to look at Christ. Hmm. He was around sinners. They didn't say he was around the, the perfect, the beautiful. He was actually around those that did not outwardly even look anything close to people that were striving to not be Sabbath breakers. They were, they were Sabbath breakers. They were fishermen. They were, right. they were, they were uh, those that spent their days at the bars because you had to drink a lot of wine back in the day to get drunk. You'd have to be considered a day, an all-day drinker. You know, mm -hmm. don't, don't spend all day at the at the bar because there was low alcohol content so it was it took a while for someone to drink and drink and finally get drunk mm. um so he spent time around them if anybody uh should have been able to blame someone else for their sin if there was any it would have been jesus because look immediately it would have got rubbed off on him yeah. but but your nature shows itself by what happens when pressure comes around you mm. and pressure came around and what happened with jesus not a single sin right no sin and yet he was around sinners. He was around sinners and he had no sin. Mm -hmm. So when our kids go across the street and come back with a new word in their mouth, we can't say it was the other kid. Right. Not entirely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the other kid probably needs to get their mouth washed up with soap. But it's like your kid is a sinner and he's showing it. And there is discipline. There is correction. But there shouldn't be this, oh, my kid's good until he came around your kids. Like your kid showed his true colors yeah. because he was around someone that's also showing their true colors. Mm -hmm. And, yes, there is such thing as bad influence. Absolutely. We are sinners, <laughs> we, every one of us. Yeah, we desire to sin. It, it tugs at our hearts. You know, the, the things that we want to do the most, what a coincidence that they're things that, that don't please God or that, yeah. that will push you further from God. You it's, know? A, it's a natural inclination. Yeah, and what's the popular message in the world? Follow your heart. Yeah. You know, follow, do what makes That's you feel That's how we got all the problems good. we got. Yeah, where, and we've covered this before, and, uh, God says the total opposite, you know, you, you could always compare with what's popular uh, with what the Bible says. And usually what the Bible says goes against what's popular. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And what's uh, what feels natural in mm -hmm. many cases, not yeah. everything. I mean, yeah. 
but and that's what i mean you know without even trying it seems that we sin yeah it's uh <clears throat> sin is more than a thing mm -hmm. that you do right it's a way that we are yeah some people say oh man you know i i I grew up. I was. I, I was born a. I was. I hear people say this, I was born a Christian, <laughs> and I, I correct them. I don't even let them go too far, and I'm like, no, you weren't. Mm -hmm. Nobody in this world born a Christian. I don't. You could have been raised around good people, around the gospel. You weren't born a Christian. Right. At what point were you born again? When did you come to Christ and confess your sin to Him and put your trust in His atoning right. blood sacrifice? When, when did you recognize Him as Lord and Savior over your life, Master and Guider and Teacher and Rebuker and comforter when did you put your trust in him in that way and they'll say oh you know i've always had jesus i'm like you haven't you might have always had the words of christ around you you might have even had the influence but you yourself were not born into this world already on your way to heaven everyone that is born in this world is already on their way to hell yeah because everyone has fallen short of the glory of god and it's not because we become bad it's because we are bad and we become worse we show our true colors mm. and and if someone doesn't discipline and chastise us and warn us and we don't adhere to that and we don't abide by that and we aren't taught to resist sinful desires and, and then eventually soon hopefully to come to christ we're yeah. going to continue to live out our sinful passions yeah that's why the bible is very clear we must be born again we must be born again mm -hmm. romans uh five i was going through romans five because it it seemed seemed to touch on exactly what we what we're aiming at here okay. romans five verses six to eleven says what for while we were still helpless mm. at the right time christ died for the ungodly so we got to realize that if, if your Savior is Christ, then you were at ungodly before that. Mm -hmm. He didn't die for the righteous. He died for the unrighteous. Right. And even he said to himself, you know, it's not, this, it's not the healthy that need a physician. It's the, yeah, sick. it's the sick. Jesus was not actually making a statement that some people would say about themselves. He wasn't saying, you, know, you guys over here, you guys are healthy. Mm -hmm. I'm coming for this. He was, he was saying, I'm not coming for those that actually think that they're healthy. I'm coming mm -hmm. for those that know that they're not. Yeah. There's a humility involved in coming to Christ. Yeah. It wasn't actually like a separation saying, you know, all the healthy people are on the west side of this city, so I'm going for all the sick people. You guys are good, though. You don't need me or my blood. Right. No, he was coming as the savior of the world. He's the one that saves those. Out of the entire world, he saves anyone that comes to him. Yeah. Uh, but it says, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Mm -hmm. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. We're saved, by the we're saved from the wrath of God by God. So it's not like God is fighting the devil here mm. and saving people that have been and, and trying to like win people out of the devil's hand all it's like god is promising to be judge and and ruler and he he promises to have a final judgment he promises to make a judgment call a true unadulterated uh, uh impartial just clean perfect good judgment call and when he makes that judgment call he deems you righteous and forgiven or unrighteous and hellbound Right. And the whole world in his eyes, because he is still in the capacity of judging. He still knows what is right. He does what is right always. He's good. He's true. There is no, 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 no mixture of sin in his mind state. So when he looks at the world, even though he has not slammed the hammer down, he still looks at the world. And in, in essence, he's looking, saying, this whole world will burn. Yeah. All of it. It is all going to burn. So 
here's what my choice is. This is what my plan has been. My plan has been to rescue some. And he, he will judge, but he will also bring mercy and forgiveness to some. And that happens through the gospel and through the reception of it. it happens through his grace and mercy. Mm -hmm. So God demonstrated. Uh, so uh, we are saved from the wrath of God through him. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only this, but we also exult or rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. So we're saved by God's grace and mercy in sending his own beloved son in the likeness of human flesh so that through him and his death, we can receive that justification because of mm -hmm. his blood shed on the cross for those that would receive him. We're saved by God's wrath. God is not saying, oh, man, there's some power out there that's going to hurt you all. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to intercept it. He's like, this is my hammer. I'm going to smash it down, and I want to save some, and I will. Yeah. And I will do it in this way so it's not uh, – no one gets out of jail free. Like it's not, a, it's not like justice wasn't served. Justice was served on Christ on his cross. The punishment has been fully paid on Christ. So anybody that comes to Christ receives that. They stand under that and Christ took the hit. It was it was all God's ordination. It's all his plan. So everyone that says, you know, I don't need that. It's like we do. We absolutely all need it because we are all ungodly and God haters in essence mm -hmm. and uh, sinners before we come to Christ. So there is no other way around the fact that God does not rescue you because you're good. Right. There's no way to say, you know, I'm a Christian because God saw how good I am. It's like God saw how sinful and how worthy of wrath you are. And instead of punishing you as he should and could, he chose to uh, bring about that wonderful plea bargain where the punishment yeah. did come. But Christ took the place and took all of the wrath of God for your sins. So you are rescued and the payment has been made. God is not unjust. He didn't skip a heartbeat. He, didn't do he just covered it all. It was done, so one one can come out. So, I just I just wanted to touch on that because some people think, uh, you know, there's also this other aspect I wanted to mention. Um, there is this social gospel going on right now. Um, Black Lives Matter was kind of preaching it. Um, who is it? Um, and it, it's like, it's this belief that uh, racial racial reconciliation is what the gospel is about. So instead of preaching the gospel okay. of come to Christ, repent of your sins, and be transformed right. by the renewing of your heart, but let the Holy Spirit work in your heart, like wh whatever it is that takes place in the human heart when, God he uh, when, when people hear the gospel and come to Christ, right. that transformation, that necessary conformity that's being accomplished by the Holy Spirit and sanctification, all of that work that happens to bring Christ glory and God glory, um, all of that is a command. You know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Yeah. Love them. That's a command. If you don't, you're showing yourself to be a sinner. But people take these verses and take things like this and, you know, we've received reconciliation. Um, and they say this is reconciliation between mankind and mankind. But it's like, no, this is reconciliation between mankind and, and their God. Mm -hmm. uh, so this is not, you know, your church has to have X and X number of white people, X and X number of black people, X and X number of, of brown people to be a multi-ethnic church we don't force the issue of who god puts in our immediate congregation god's going to rescue people from all nations from all tongues from right. all lands he's going to do that but our church might not look like that there might be a church that has more white people there might be a church that has more black people and it's not about you know we have to make 
we have to make this an evened out number in congregations or you're racist. It's like, that's not right. true. That's, that's a little bit obnoxious mm -hmm. because there are some congregations that have a population that has more of one, one sort of ethnicity involved or, or, or predominantly one ethnicity. Like in our congregations here, we'll have more, more Mexicans in any church right. than anything else. In Phoenix, you're going to have a mixture of different people because there's different people in Phoenix. Mm -hmm. So there's people that take this and they mistreat the, the message. They say, you know, the gospel message is... Uh, we have to have equality among all, all ethnicities and we have to have equality in our numbers in church and we have to have equality in this way and that way. And they mishandle that and they end up making it this whole social justice thing. So now, you know, everybody has to uh, get some sort of vengeance and everybody has to yeah. get a fair treatment. I'm like, I think people should get fair treatment. Mm -hmm. I don't think in this world you'll ever find that. Not that it should, not that unfairness should come from the church. The people of God that claim Christ, you know, they should depart from sin. They should not be practicing unfairness towards mm -hmm. others. They should not be expecting it towards them. And we should not expect the world to be fair either, not even, not even to its own people, especially to the church. Mm -hmm. People that proclaim Christ, they're going to be treated unfairly. Christ promised it. And people are sinners. So they're going to have greedy, scheming ways about themselves to protect their own self-preservation. And they're not going to be fair to other people either. So to say the church's job is to make fairness happen, like, no, the church's job is to proclaim the gospel and to live it out in such a way that people come to Christ and they realize that fairness isn't going to happen in this life because right. if we want fair in multiple ways, it's not what we really want because fair is for us to get judged to hell, every single one of us, black, white, brown, wherever you're at, however sweet you think you are. Yep. We're, all, we're all worthy of the punishment. If anything, that's Mercy the, is what we're seeking. That's the equality that, that we all have is that we're all equally sinners. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's, it's like it doesn't matter where you come from, what your background is, or what took place. Like wherever we can be, we are commanded to be faithful, merciful, forgiving, uh, righteous in our actions because we have the command of God and we have the Holy Spirit leading us into this. But we're not going to be able to solve the world's inequalities or, or oppressive uh, tendencies or, or yeah. ethno-centered differences or, or, or arguments or fights because it's one human race, it's multiple ethnicities, yeah. and, and there's a problem. It's going to be that way because sinners will sin. And, and, and the world is saying, we don't want your gospel message. If you were really a Christian, you would just reconcile to your 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 neighbor whoever whatever skin color they are and this is what we say you need to do to reconcile you need to mm -hmm. do this you need to do that and that's why there was those ridiculous messages during the 2020 riots saying give us your houses black lives matter we're making these claims give us your houses i remember it's like, that's that. ridiculous mm -hmm. that first off uh that's what you want second off that would make somebody homeless even though you probably have a house you might have just burned down a p police car on the thing i mean those demands don't make any sense but if we really look at it it's like that's not reconciliation. That's, that's demanding. This is, I will take what, what I want from you because you don't deserve to have it. And I deserve to have it more, whoever that person is. It's like, mm -hmm. we don't, we're not here demanding anything. Christians shouldn't make any demands. For a Christian to even go out necessarily, I think, to go out with any kind of a sign and say, I demand my rights to, to, to practice my religious freedom. I think even that seems kind of a little bit odd. I, I mean, where is that? Where do we see the, the command to demand anything from a sinful world that hates your Christ, your king, and your, your own life? We should be expecting persecution, flee from it as much as we can, yes. handle it and be persevering under those trials, and, and just let God open those doors and work towards whatever kind of good that you can and try to get 
religious freedoms. Try to uh, help lessen the burden of somebody else in their life if you can. Be morally righteous and just as God has made you able to be because now you have his Holy Spirit. But when people say, you know, the gospel is racial reconciliation, I'm like, no, it's not. The gospel is mankind to God reconciliation. And in that you will have, you should have, a, a significant lessening, if not an, an, a little by little, and a, a removal of racism in general mm-hmm. from the church, you should have that. And you should have better consequences coming out of the people of God. Mm-hmm. But we also have to know every single church has hypocrites in it uh, that aren't actually Christians, but they're just going with the flow. So they're not, you're not always going to see the, the fruit of Christ from every congregant in the church because not every congregant in the church is actually a born-again Christian. So they're mm-hmm. just going with the flow. So you're going to see somebody cussing somebody out after they leave church. Not necessarily a Christian. Yeah. <laughs> or if it is a Christian, it's a need, in need of great repentance and yes. humility. So either it is a Christian that is absolutely wrong, or it's a sinner that just hangs out at church because he likes the food afterwards or yeah. wants to think about Christ but or hasn't yet come to Christ. Yeah. Likes the people or hasn't yeah. yet come there. So that's something I want to, to note on because... Yeah, I've been listening to, I've been listening to a lot of, a lot of little excerpts, and and I kind of see what people are doing with scripture, yeah. and they're really mistreating it. Yeah, and uh, I will say that's the first for me. I did not know, uh, the BLM was using that part of scripture as a backup for reconciliation, because I've heard the whole reconciliation give me this because of what happened all mm-hmm. those years ago. Yeah, I've heard that. I just I haven't heard. Um, them use the Bible. It's yeah. just, it's, well, they they wouldn't be the ones, but their attack on the church would be this is what reconciliation needs to be. Uh, so it's it's like the world telling the church what the church is supposed to be. Right. Just, yeah. You're not going to usually get mm-hmm. an accurate description. Right. Uh, anybody uh, that wants to try to use a piece of the Bible to tell people what they need to be doing, I hope you're abiding by it. Otherwise, you're just holding this double-edged sword saying, this is how you need to treat me. It's like, well, have you submitted to God yet? Because if not, you're going to end up in judgment still and go to hell when you face Christ if you don't come to him before you die. And you're here telling other people what they need to do using their own words. It's like, if you're using the word against someone, make sure it's your your friend. Make sure the Bible is your friend, (laughs) like you're in agreement with it. Otherwise, it's going to stomp on you too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I mean, like you, I've been seeing a lot of... uh, uh, misuse of scripture and uh i mean we've opened up a, a whole can of worms on uh the uh the black hebrew israelite yeah. we've touched on uh new age spiritualism we've touched on uh the uh, progressive christianity and it's uh they, they all seem to ignore sin yeah. Their own sin, because they'll be quick to call out, like you said, somebody else's sin, and you need to do this to make make it right mm-hmm. on me. But they never reflect. They yeah. never they never take the Bible and try to see what gain uh, from it. Instead, they're trying to project yeah. their own view, their own uh, understanding of the world a, into a the worldly Bible. mentality. Of, mm-hmm. This is what it means to be good. Now, be good to me. Exactly. Instead of yeah, yeah. You know, the Christian message isn't be good to other people because that's what you need to be. The Christian message is you're all about to face the judge. Yes. Repent or you too will perish. Jesus said himself, repent or you too will perish. Mm -hmm. It's not just the socially worst of the worst that die and go to hell. 
it's some of the best humanitarians that reject Christ. They did a lot of work for people, yeah. but they faced God and their sins have not been forgiven. And there's no, my bad, I'm sorry. At that moment, at that moment, it's, it's judgment time. Yeah. There's no, all right, I believe you now. You yeah. see him now. Now you're facing the judge. There's no, oh, my, my, my bad, my bad. Yeah. You're going to get it. sentenced. That's it. The sentencing yeah. takes place. And people yeah. think they're going to have this opportunity. It's like, it's no. now. Yeah. This is the opportunity. Yeah. And that is why it's so important to address this and bring this up. Because, again, the popular message is always follow your heart. Uh, God is good and God is love. So everything is, is okay. You know, there's not this call to repentance. It's always get what you can get. You know, go get your blessing. Go claim your blessing. Um, Declare we, it. Yeah, it's what we talked about earlier today, you know, and uh, went to a service recently. And there was definitely a need, uh, a call for repentance. And uh, it was very much, you know, do this and you'll get your blessing tomorrow. Uh, we need to be more effective in proclaiming the gospel as it is um, not necessarily calling out the individual sinner but calling out sin in general mm -hmm. pointing it out like hey we there is sin sin lives in us and unless you have already come to Christ you have no hope and, that, and that's the beautiful thing because it's not I, I feel like sometimes I might sound all too much doom and gloom but there is the the saving aspect of the gospel i mean there is that hope you know yes you're a sinner and and your sin is what's dooming you is your sin that's gonna take you to hell but lo and behold jesus christ died the price for sin was paid it was put on his body by the shedding of his blood and now we have that hope of salvation just need to put our faith on him ray comfort did a good job of saying you know don't you know, for those that are already contrite and broken in heart and spirit, the gospel is that remediation. It's that yeah. eye salve. It's that it's that wound cleansing. It's already there. Yeah. Uh, but for those that argue that they are already righteous, they don't need a savior. They don't need forgiveness. Yeah, because life is going law. well. Yeah. yeah. Bring them the law. That's why Ray Comfort is the one to say, you know, bring them to Moses. Bring them to the Ten Commands mm. before you bring them to the Savior. Yeah. Because if they think they don't need a savior, you need to bring them to their to their to their stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, if, uh, if uh, you just show up to the doctor's office and, and they say, hey, we're bringing you surgery. The first thing you say is, no, bring them the x-rays, <laughs> bring them the MRI, show them that they need this. And yeah. they will, they will, if they are contrite and not arrogant, they'll say, I, yes, as soon as possible, sign yeah. me up. Mm -hmm. I want it. And if you don't bring people to the law, show them they are sinners. They don't have to be as bad as Bobo. They don't have to be a felon on death row. Right. But they're sinners. And this is God's judgment. It's good. And it's right. And it's perfect. And it doesn't alter. And there's no favoritism. There's no ethnicity that's better. There's no background that's better. It doesn't matter who mom and pop are. It doesn't matter how much money you make or how good you are to homeless people. It doesn't matter. We are all sinners. And we're about to face the king who says, here is the only way that I will receive you. Come to yeah. me. So for people to say, you know, God is love. Well, here's, here's where the God is love verse comes from. Go First John chapter 4. Uh, verse 7, I'm going to read from verse 7 all the way to verse 10. It says, Beloved, let us love one another. This is to Christians. <laughs> okay. This is to Christians. So right. let's, let's, let's start with that. This is to the beloved, the loved ones of God. Yes. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God, meaning is a Christian, and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. 
by this, the love of God was manifested or shown in us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins, the payment that's necessary. The, there's, a, there's a debt that needs to be paid and a, a wrath and a righteous anger that needs to be satisfied. And we are, uh, Christ is the propitiation. He satisfied the righteous wrath of God against sin. God hates sin. Sin goes against his created order. He hates it. Yes. He controls and rules over it so it doesn't go further. It doesn't go to wipe out the whole human race like it could if people would just become the worst of murderers, the worst of rapists, the worst of killers. People would just annihilate each other. God keeps that nuclear button from being pressed on every country because we're all wired to blow up anyway. God is the one that restrains the sinfulness of man to an extent, and that's all in his own secret counsel, his own mind, how he does that. Um, but this is the love of God, that, that we, we love him and we we walk in that love and we know who he is and we obey him and we walk in him. Mm -hmm. That's that's the love of God. So when people say God is love, it's like, yes, and this is what he means by that. He sent his own son to die on the cross to pay the pave the way for sinners, to actually pay the penalty and make that narrow road open through Christ so that people could enter unto the kingdom through the shed blood of Jesus. God is love. That is love. That is sacrifice. That is doing good unto those and that are your enemies. We were the enemies of God, and God did good unto us. He could yeah. have wiped us out, and he did good unto us. While we were enemies, he died for us. While we were still ungodly, Christ died for us. So if anyone says God is love, he is. Mm -hmm. But don't take that verse and, don't take the, and, and skip out the rest of it. The rest of it says repent, yeah. or you too will perish. Yeah. We, we have to understand that we are sinners because the identification of a sinner is somebody that goes against the will of God, does not conform to the image of God and is against the, the, the preferences of God. So anything that goes against that is not good. Mm -hmm. I mean, in the beginning, uh, in Genesis chapter one, God created sea and land and trees and sky and sun and moon. And he, he labeled those things good. Good was not decent behavior and kind words. Those things, they don't speak. They're all inanimate. They're just objects or living things. I mean, God created all of them, but he said, they are good. Yeah. I've made them. They are good. Why? Because they're doing what I want them to do. They are that. The only, the ones that brought in evil into this world is Adam and Eve and their sin. They brought in sin. Yes. And, and God says that through that, we're all considered dead in our sins and trespasses. We're not good trying to maintain goodness and trying to avoid badness. We're bad pretending to be good. And God sees the heart. He sees the action. He knows the condition. He says, you're all out of Adam and Eve and Adam and Eve sinned and their sin has stained all of mankind. And I will judge it because I hate sin, mm -hmm. but I've had a purpose to send my own son in the likeness of human flesh to pay the penalty. So come to me, repent of your wickedness. Um, Romans chapter, oh, before I go into Romans five, verse 12, 19, do you got anything? No, no, no. All right, Romans <laughs> 5, 12 to 19 says this. I'm going to read a section. Uh, it's a little bit lengthy, but, but this, this speaks about the, the nature of sin. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all sinned. For until the law, sin was in, for until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. 
Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses, even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the offense of Adam, who is a type of him who is to come, talking about Jesus. So Adam is like a foreshadow of Christ, except he was the one that didn't pass the test. Jesus passed the test. He went through the, he went through the 40 days, 40 nights of temptation and fasting, didn't sin once. Adam went through one moment of temptation, fa- temptation immediately sinned. So Adam did not pass the test. He was not a perfect human being. He was sinless. He was he was clean, he was unstained, but he became stained. Jesus walked through the possible of staining possibility, uh, spent time with sinners, and never one stain hit him. So he is the perfect epitome of all mankind. He is the fulfillment of what it means to be an actual human, an actual living person that obeys his God and maker. Now, he was that example. He was that life lived. Uh, verse 15, but the free gift is not like the transgression. For if by the transgression of the one, the many died, much more did the grace much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to the many. The gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For on the one hand the judgment arose from one transgression, resulting in condemnation. But on the other hand, the free gift arose from many transgressions, resulting in justification. For if by the transgression of the one death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through that through the one jesus christ so then as through one transgression there resulted condemnation to all men even so through one act of righteousness there resulted resulted justification of life to all men for as through the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners even so through the obedience of the one the many will be made righteous. So there's a lot there, but I just wanted to clarify. This is speaking about the fact that Adam brought sin into this world because he is, he is, the, he is the, the forefather of all mankind. Through Adam and Eve's sin, everyone is stained like they are. So their sin brought sin and death into every human heart that has ever been born on this earth. We are lined up saying that we are we have sinned even if we didn't do the same sin as Adam did. Just because we didn't sin in the same way that he did, we are still sinners. And just because the law didn't come until Moses, which was years after Adam, many years after Adam, just because the law didn't come doesn't mean that it wasn't sin. It just wasn't counted as sin in the same way. Like in the eyes of men, it wasn't considered sin in that same way. But we still know that. Uh, what is evil? There, God always had a command of what's evil. We have to remember that Sodom and Gomorrah was before Moses. Right. And Sodom and Gomorrah was judged with fire and brimstone for their sin. Now, I wasn't saying you violate my commands. You said you, the, the wickedness, it was there. And, and wickedness was already known. Like, that's wrong. So it's not to, that God has to bring in these commands saying, here's what's wrong. But until you get the commands before our eyes, we, we, we have these excuses like, you know, I'm not breaking any laws. But the law, when it came, it showed we're all breaking them. It's like a nonstop thing. Instead of repenting of sin and saying, we break those, can, like, change us, forgive us, God. Instead of that, people start saying, all right, I'm going to do that, and I will be good. Mm-hmm. It's like the law is not there to make you good. It's to show you that you need a Savior. The law is like a tutor. It's supposed to bring you to Christ. It's supposed to teach you of your sinfulness so you can ask for forgiveness. But instead, people will look at it and say, I can do that. And that's what every single person that's in church today saying, I don't do bad things. I show up, I read, I dress well, and uh, 
I pray before I eat. They have this mentality of this is what it means to be good. It's like, we're not good. Mm -hmm. We need a savior every moment. Even after you have Christ as your king, you still need him. Like every single day we must be clinging to Christ or else we're getting on this whole like leveling thing saying, I'm good. Mm -hmm. And then we compare ourselves to other people saying, see, they're not good, but I'm good. And that's a problem. That's where we start thinking that our stuff don't stink. So I, I think people need to understand their sinfulness is something that's been attributed to their own humanity. And only through one is there ever a forgiveness. We can't say, you know, I don't do what they do. It's like, we all sin. All we need to do is see the law. That's why people need to bring the law when they evangelize. Like, don't just say Jesus loves you. Right. Because they're not going to feel all that loved if they rebuke and uh, if they refuse and reject Christ, end up in hell. Mm -hmm. They're not going to feel all that love. So they're going to say, what was that statement about? It's like, tell them what the commands are. Jesus Christ's love and God's mercy was 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 his shedding of his blood for the sins uh for the sin of the world whoever would receive him as savior is forgiven is received is completely transformed inside he's made a new creature so that's the love of god that even though you deserve the punishment i mean come up to somebody with the truth you deserve the punishment yes so do i and this is the grace and the love and the mercy of god receive it and live Mm -hmm. reject it and you might you might never get a chance to hear it again. You never know what, yeah. what else is going to take place in somebody's life. You know, and I was just thinking, um, when you make that call to repentance, I think that's when you see one of two reactions. Yeah. And you see... That's when it really happens. Yeah, you'll see uh, if the word actually, if they receive the word, looked at their sin and said, oh my goodness, yes, I need a savior. Yeah. Or they desire sin even more. You know, it, when you make that call to repentance, it, it'll make or break the person, whoever it is that you're, you're talking to. Um, because it, it's for someone who loves sin, it's not an easy thing to come to repentance. But when you hear the word of God and you believe and faith begins to, to work, again, that's what I mean. One of two things will happen. You'll submit. You'll say, yes, I need a savior. Thank you, God, because of, of the, your righteousness mm-hmm. and, and, and your, your, the sacrifice on the cross. Or they'll say, no, you're, you're wrong. You're judging me. Yeah. You're X and Y, you know, it, and it's not our judgment though. Yeah, it isn't. It isn't. We're warning of the judgment that's to come. So when you call someone to repentance, it's that's that's when you'll see you'll see or you should see it yourself. What? How do you feel when somebody calls you to repentance or when you're reading and you feel that conviction and that call to repentance? I mean, even as Christians, you know, as believers, we don't live perfectly. And there's things that we don't realize because sin is so integral in our lives when it's pointed out as we read through scriptures or as you know iron sharpens iron we're we're talking amongst each other um our friend uh, bb's he said it earlier you know as we're talking you know these conversations uh he realizes some things that he's been viewing he he was wrong about and then he could repent it, mm-hmm. it becomes this thing that we're grateful to be able to repent you now somebody that doesn't know christ they'll either become grateful or they'll reject it even yeah. more and they get worse. Anytime you reject God in any way, it doesn't go better for you. Right. I mean, you might seem to have some sort of successes, but just, you know, having successful living in this world does not mean you have the favor of God. There's a yeah. lot of horrible people that are doing really well financially, but they are spiritually destitute. Like they mm-hmm. are waiting for, for the worst outcome and they don't even know it. Um, and people, they just kind of line them up 
themselves up to like some sort of moral uh, endeavor. Like they, they're like, you know, I'm going to do this and do that. They just create their own little religion. Right. And they say, you know, if there is something after that, I'm definitely in. It's like, well, no. <laughs> Bible says you're uh, justified by grace through faith. Um, is it Romans 3? 19 and 20 says now we know that whatever the law says it speaks to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be closed and all the world may become accountable to god mm -hmm. because by the works of the law meaning by the things that you do no flesh will be justified in his sight for through the law comes the knowledge of sin the law of god the commands of god are there to show us we need to repent they're not there to give us a an aim to hit at i mean because just like you said, in James, uh, James chapter 2, I believe it's verse 6, mm -hmm. people think, you know, I'm just, uh, I'm going to do really well, but that's that's not sufficient. Uh, if you violate one small section of the right. law, you're guilty of it all. And mm -hmm. people don't want to hear that. Uh, they just want to be told, like, you're doing good. And you might be doing good to an extent. Right. But uh, ultimately, <laughs> if you violate, it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's it's like if you violated one area of the law, if you if you violate even one area, you're you're a you're a lawbreaker. You've broken all of it. Mm -hmm. um, people think you know. I haven't done that a lot of bad. It's like even one obvious admission saying, "I yeah, I've I've done that." That's that, enough. Like that that's that's guilty. that that yeah. makes you guilty, and we're guilty even if we if we do. We're guilty even if we do a lot or most of the law because the bible says that we don't love god with all our heart soul and mind mm. uh, that's why the rich young ruler was able to walk away he apparently claimed to have followed the ten commands but but he loved his success and his worldliness more than giving it all up or being willing to give it all up for, for christ he did not love god more than his stuff and his success and comforts so he did not love god with all his heart soul and mind if god told him do this and you don't do it because you don't love him. Jesus says, if you love me, obey me. Yeah. So if Jesus said to the rich young ruler, okay, you lack one thing, go do that. He didn't love Jesus back. Jesus loved him. The Bible even says he looked at him, he loved him, and he corrected him, mm -hmm. saying, but he didn't love him back, and that's a problem. Jesus loves, and yet we don't love him back. So saying, you know, Jesus loves you doesn't mean anything if you don't call them to a repentance. You know, this is the love of God. This is the love of Christ. It's a, it's a it's incredibly sacrificial thing, and it's it's prized above all things in the world. This is the pearl of great price. This is that 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 hidden gem. This is it. This is the 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 salvation that comes through God's wonderful grace. But people keep trying to say, "I'm not that bad." That's why the only way to get through to somebody that's stubborn in that way is is really just yeah. bring the law to them and do it lovingly and humbly. Because when you do it, you can't tell people like, "Hey, I'm doing this all well." Be honest and confessional in right. your profession and your evangelism. Like, let there be that sincerity, knowing you're speaking to someone that needs what you also need. And by mm -hmm. God's grace, you've received it, and now you're here sharing it. Like, you're not here saying, "Where's those." bad wicked people at. it's like they're everywhere yeah you, you're if you're married your spouse is the wicked one your kids are the wicked one if you if you're in a church your pastor's the wicked one why because everyone's wicked we all need christ and the only way that that changes is through god's incredible sanctifying work by his holy spirit when you receive the gospel only then do we not live out and desire and choose and and run after our wickedness that's when uh, that's why the pastor can preach that's why the minister can minister because now they're serving god's purposes instead of their own and the battle 
of a Christian against sin and temptation is a battle that a non-Christian does not know. Yeah. A non-Christian knows maybe to battle against some of their desires, but right. they don't know that holy the, battle. Yeah, the obvious, the big yeah. no-nos. Or the ones know? that they don't like even. Yeah. There's people that fight addiction, and it's a real battle, but they don't know what it means to battle against desires that you know dishonor God. Yeah. Because there's people that say, you know, I don't like that. They won't like that. Society might think, what about God? What is that battle? That's a whole different level. That's, yeah. that's a different level of conviction in general. Yeah, no, uh, absolutely. Um, I like that though. So, call to repentance. Bring people, tell them, bring them the law, and I guess just see what happens. Because at the end of the day, we won't be able to change anybody, and it is only through the Word of God that faith begins to to work and faith begins to move. Call to repentance. Yeah. Call to repentance. Don't be afraid to use the law mm -hmm. because we are freely, completely justified by, by faith. Yeah. Uh, not by our deeds because our deeds don't eliminate our sin. Uh, Christ's propitiatory death, that is what counts in the eyes of God. So when we believe, we are called and commanded to obey. So obey, be baptized, walk it out, avoid, repent of your sin. Give it up to God, everything. Mm -hmm. Set your minds on things above where Christ is seated. Um, think about these things. Yeah. Whatever is lovely, whatever is excellent, whatever is praiseworthy. Philippians 4.8. It's like, like there's, there's a mindset that's demanded. There's an attitude. There's a behavior. There's a speech. There's a conduct. There's an endeavor, a trajectory that's demanded and commanded of Christians. And Christians will obey that because they have the Holy Spirit energizing them and sanctifying them, hemming them in from before and behind, from the left and right, just guiding them repentance stumblings all those things happen as part of a christian life as they walk towards god all that's commanded so uh, if we continue to try to make ourselves good on our own i'm telling you we're all going to face god and we're going to be in a very bad predicament because he doesn't give us a second try there's no reincarnation with this there is no second try and we don't know when our lives are going to end it's not like god gives everyone 50 years and on a year 49 everyone thinks about it <laughs> There's young children that die all the time. Yeah. There's people, there's children that are being killed by their parents in the womb. Like, mm -hmm. we got murder, we got accidents, we got medical emergencies, we got chokings. I mean, what are we thinking? Like, I, I can't choke. And I mean, I can't die. I mean, <laughs> before I've, I plan to. I've met men, you know, that live 60, 65 years mm -hmm. and they're preached to all the time and still don't come to a saving faith. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? So, if you hear it, believe it, you know. If you hear it, believe it. If you hear it and you don't quite believe it, but you're curious, then look into it for yourself. Ask questions. Yeah, ask questions because, again, I mean, tomorrow's not promised. It's not. You know? And if you do, by the grace of God, get to live 60 years, well, glory to God. But did you come to Christ at any point in your yeah. life? Because what, what did you do with those 60 years? You've wasted it and now you're lost forever. You know, I think Spurgeon is the one that said, hell is the truth known too late. Yeah. I, and for yeah. how many people is that, the, is that the case? Yeah, that's a, it's a very scary truth. Yeah. It is. And, and, I, and I understand why it's not popular because it's scary and it, it puts a, a gloom on this life. But again, if you're 
love is for this world and the things of this world, you know, then you're going to get lost with it because this world is going to burn. When, when parents tell their kids, you know, you can do anything you want, put, put your mind to, I just, I would also caution that by saying, but what do you want? Be honest. Yeah. Do you want God and his glory? Because exactly. if not, don't do everything you want. <laughs> Yeah. And some people just need to kind of come to terms with that. Like, hey, I naturally don't want to follow God. I will follow whatever is already happening. Some people look at it and be like, eh, I'm already nice to my neighbor. I guess I'm doing it. There's no such mm. thing as an accidental Christian. Yeah. Nobody shows up in heaven and says, oh, huh. I guess I was a Christian. <laughs> I had the wrong necklace on. Yeah. But I guess I was. The only person that was probably most surprised about their, their, their uh, arrival uh, is the thief on the cross. I mean, Christ said, you'll be yeah. with me today in paradise. Yeah. That's it. And there again, was no no baptism, there was no nothing, there was no yeah. and again, fruitfulness other than the confession of Christ. That, that happened while he lived. Yeah, it, yeah. 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 Yeah, so so the thief on the cross died uh no, no, the 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 thief on the cross died after Christ. Right. Uh so yeah, he was in paradise. But it's like Yeah, but he you came, think he about came it. to that that salvation before he died. Yeah. Yeah. Which is which is amazing. I mean, yeah. last moments yeah. for anybody to get conformed to Christ in the last moment, that was it. Yeah. But how many people are literally facing God in the last moment, maybe a few hours before they die, Yeah. and get that kind of like face-to-face -face with God? We don't all get that deathbed confession. We don't yeah. all get somebody preaching the gospel to us. Car accidents take people's lives all the time. The last thing you could have been listening to is some kind of stupid song. Yeah. Like turn on 88.1 if you're in Yuma. Turn on something. Yeah. Uh, turn on Grace to You. Uh, listen to a sermon. Listen to... Uh, Milk and Meat. Milk and Meat <laughs> podcast. <laughs> listen to Do Theology podcast. Listen to uh, Just Thinking podcast. Uh, uh, what, whatever you can grab a hold of. Uh, Lisa Childers, Mike Winger. I mean, there's so many names I could just throw out there because there, there's healthy, biblical, scriptural, foundational, historically right truth from God's word that yeah. warns and, and protects and encourages and compels and pleads and, and edifies and, and just builds up the faith and, and, and corrects the misunderstanding and misapplications and kind of approaches it uh, socially so that we know what's really going on out there. Yeah. What's this CRT nonsense? What's this BLM stuff that people are thinking that's the gospel? That's not the gospel. Mm -hmm. I mean, yes, there's there's a need, but that's not the gospel. That's part of our our endeavor to do whatever we can to to work towards kind of alleviating any sort of oppression. But that has to happen in our hearts first. Right. Christians come to Christ and then they carry that cross to everyone else, telling them this is the cross of Christ. Come to Christ. Uh, we're compelled to do that. Yeah. So, and there's there's yeah. no such thing to as like a perfect person, even when you come to Christ, because I do feel sometimes there's that misconception that, oh, I'm a Christian now. I can do no wrong. You know, yeah, that's I, a dangerous thing. I like what uh, John MacArthur said uh, in one of his sermons, because they asked him, uh, he was answering questions to the, of the congregation. Oh, they, is that his question answer thing? Yeah. And they asked him, they're like, you know, how how did you go, you know, 30 years in ministry without such a big scandal, yeah, a that. big, uh, you know, something that, that just showed how sinful you are, et cetera, et cetera. Something along those lines. Because there are scandals in yeah. big ministries. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, but he, I, I like what he said. He said, I don't claim to be any kind of Superman. I don't claim to be perfect. He's like, in many ways I fail. But I have found that when I occupy myself in scripture occupy myself myself in the things of god I, I i tend to to not fall so often i tend to and i'm probably butchering what he said exactly but it was exactly that it's we should 
as Christians, you know, occupy our, ourselves yeah. with the things of the Father. Absolutely. You know, and then maybe we have a chance of falling a lot less. Uh, Psalm 1. Mm -hmm. I wonder how many people even tuned out already. But some some one uh, I was just explaining. So I was working through this with my daughter on the way to mm -hmm. San Diego, and uh, I was having her read because she does a good job reading. I just grab the Bible, hand it in the back, and she yeah. reads it out loud. And every verse, I kind of pause her and I explain that verse. Psalm one was really fun to go through. So I was explaining, you know, how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. It's like so. How blessed? How happy? How satisfied? How content? How how trusting in God and how in a right relationship he has with the, his Maker is the person that does not take advice from bad people, spend time in those wrong places, doing those wrong things, even endeavor to kind of occupy themselves in the wrong things but instead his uh, delight is in the law of the lord and he meditates on it. he pays attention to it he focuses yeah. on it. he doesn't he doesn't own meditate like the stuff i used to do before christ he he focuses intently on it so as to uh bring it about in his heart he uh let the word of god uh hide lord what what is david's psalm uh I've hid your word in my heart so that I don't sin against you. I mean, yeah. there's this there's this desire to apply and to be diligent in memorizing and remembering and kind of working this word into our heart and our thinking so that we can apply it and do it. The person that actually meditates and delights on God and his word and meditates on his word day and night in a regular basis, that person's like a tree that has so many water. He always has enough supply of that water. That not, yeah. not a tree like in Arizona where it just dries up because there's no water, but, but a tree that has all the water he needs. Not only that, but the leaf always greens, not just sickening, no, 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 no plague, no mold, no nothing growing on the tree. All the leaves are good. And the, the fruit that needs to be there in the time and the season that it needs to be there is there. It's, it's producing naturally. That's the person who is who is continually in God's word, not just to read, but to apply and to live. That's the person that we want to be as Christians, yeah. the people that actually surround ourselves and intentionally walk towards this. Your Amen. word is a lamp unto my feet. It's a light unto my path. So it shows me sometimes the direct steps I need to take. It shows me sometimes the path that I'm going on. But in any way, the word of God is enough and sufficient to show us how to live. And it's not always going to give us six steps ahead, but it will give us the direction and it will give us the yes. immediate steps. It will show us what our steps are made of if we're stumbling. It will show us our sins so we can repent. And it will show us the grace of God so we can walk forward. Like the word of God is literally what the life of a Christian should be surrounded by. It shouldn't be surrounded by by once in a while out of context verses and and memory saying saying none of that Joel Osteen stuff like I am powerful I am healthy I am successful I am beautiful that is nonsense because that teaches people to be obsessed with themselves instead of with God yep. and claiming things that aren't necessarily for them because God does not tell everyone that they're going to be rich and successful and famous mm -hmm. God doesn't even tell everybody that their looks are going to last but He tells them that one day they're going to face Him. Yeah. And that their works are going to be uh, established in, in their life. And what they really did is going to come to the end uh, at some point. And he's, he's going to judge them based on their works. So we need to we need to be mindful of that. Like what MacArthur said, I agree. When you are busy doing the things of the Lord, yeah, as you're commanded to, you know, it's like, <laughs> is it Second Peter? It's like Second Peter is the one that, that says, you know, if you're, if you're, uh, if you're walking out your Christian life and Second Peter chapter 1, verses 5 
to nine or yeah, verses five to nine. It says, now for this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply. So to your faith, supply moral excellence. And in your moral excellence, knowledge. And in your knowledge, self-control. And in your self-control, perseverance. And in your perseverance, godliness. And in your godliness, brotherly kindness. And in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these qualities is blind and short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. It's like he completely forgets how, how he's been set free and, 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 and sanctified and set apart. He starts doing stupid things, getting carried away in meaningless things. It's not that he loses his, his relationship with God, it's that he's losing that favorable, graceful position where he begins to rely on all the wrong things and begins to live like he doesn't have this grace, as yeah. if there is something different to live for. Those are the people that get smacked around and kind of stumble a lot. It says, therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about your, his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. For you in this way, the entrance into eternal, the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be abundantly supplied to you. That is not saying that Christians don't stumble. It, it's not saying you will never, ever, ever in your life stumble in any way. But it says that you will be safe from stumbling into false and meaningless doctrine. You will be certain and rigid where you need to be yeah. and, and, and be able to mold and, and apply your heart to the word of God. You'll just... You'll see what God is doing in your life. You'll be regularly, diligently pursuing the characteristics, the attitudes, the behavior, the speech, the conduct, the mindset of God for you. And you'll see the path that God is giving. He'll just close doors for you. He'll give you a heart for his work. Yeah. You'll grow in it. If you're in, a, if you're in a congregation and you're growing and you're honest and you're able to be part of that fellowship and studies, whether it's at your church or just what we do when we get together for four hours a day, <laughs> it's like you'll you'll sharpen each other, you'll work through scripture, Amen. you'll confess, you'll talk about your life, how you're applying this. Like this will be in a, a wonderful growing thing yeah. where you will be sanctified and, and you will grow in that maturity. All of that will keep you from loving sin all of that will will keep you from dishonoring god in these great ways that some people do i mean mm -hmm. david should have been out in combat doing what god has made him to do but instead he got lazy started staying home and ended up committing fornication then murder on all that deceit Amen. what a travesty yeah to to get your eyes off of your your path to think that there's something more delightful in this world than serving the king with your life it's like i can serve god on monday to friday but i really want friday to just be lazy look there's times to rest but then there's intentional laziness yeah it's like i just want to binge watch for six hours it's like look i oh, i've yeah. watched three episodes in a row i've done that but i can't sit down and say i'm gonna watch the episode there's been times that i feel sick or tired and it's like fine that happens yeah. It's like to make plans to be lazy, to make plans to be un, uh, just useless or fruitless, to make plans to be worldly for some reason. It's like all of that just promises you're not going to be a non-stumbling person. You're not going to be seeing this big way open for you to walk it out towards God. You're not going to be growing. You might even for be forgetful of God's wonderful work of setting yeah. you free from sin and ignorance. So we're commanded to get in the Word, stay in it, and do what it says. Because it's not just, you know, I have a daily reading plan. I know a lot of people that read a lot and their attitude is trash. Yeah. It's like they need to stop. They need to slow down, wake up. And they don't really care to minister. They just want to argue. 
It's like, mm -hmm. look, there's a time to argue a point because it's like salvation issue. Right. But then there's like just arguing unnecessary doctrine that people just will disagree on. And that's what we'll talk about another time, the secondary right. tertiary stuff that isn't salvation or just probably different congregation where you go to church. Mm -hmm. But it's like, I see that too much. Yeah. And it's, it's heartbreaking because time is running out, man. <laughs> yeah. We don't have all this time. Like even the fact time. that we can record this, yeah. if, if, if press play and record this, send it out. It's like this, this can't go on forever like god's yeah. coming back yeah and it's we don't have a lot of time and the short time that we do have none of it is promised for you you know like yeah. you, you're not gonna be here tomorrow even if god doesn't come tomorrow it doesn't mean you'll be here tomorrow absolutely so time is very short if you think about it that way time is short and uh just uh no nah, well we'll save it for the we'll next save one. it yeah all right um so this was the sinfulness of man mm -hmm. and the righteousness of Christ or Christ's righteousness. Uh -huh. I hope, I hope we touched on that. I know we touched on the sinfulness of man. I yeah. don't know how well we touched on Christ's righteousness. Well, there's a part um, two, so <laughs> well, well, we could, we could do, are we, are we going to do part two? Yeah. Why not? All right, we'll do part two on this, yeah. uh, but we're going to go through that chart and hopefully we can do this more and more. And hopefully people listen because mm -hmm. if they don't, then we still get edified by working through this. We just mm -hmm. hope that it's also a blessing for others. Uh, so go ahead, close out, man. Yeah. This is the milk and meat podcast. And uh, God bless. God bless. Because I be worried about your soul. Why you still be doubting you got a soul? Like you need to see to believe these things. But you believe things that you've never seen. The feelings and hopes and dreams. The future emotions and gravity.